Hello and welcome back to Kairos. I am Joshua Pfeiffer here today with Michael Prenzler, a fellow Lutheran pastor and pastor of the Adelaide Deaf Community Church. Michael, great to have you on today. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for having me. So we are here today to talk a bit about ministry with the deaf. Michael, to begin with, perhaps you can just tell us a little bit about the nature of your current call. Sure. Um, so I'm actually pastor to two congregations here at McGill, which is in the eastern suburbs of Adelaide. Um, the Pilgrim Lutheran congregation, which has been here for, I think, at least 50 years. And the Adelaide Deaf Community Church, which is a relative newcomer. Uh, they've been worshipping here for three years, which is also the time that I've been here. Um, and this is my graduate placement, so mm. this is my first call, and uh, yeah, it's been an interesting journey. Not your average first call for a new pastor. No, that's right. Mm. And so your um, the Pilgrim congregation is part of the Lutheran Church of Australia, and the um, Adelaide Deaf Community Church, What? where do they sort of fit? I imagine they're not part of the Lutheran Church of Australia in the same sense, more ecumenical, that, is that the idea? Well, certainly the um, ADCC, easier to use the acronym, mm -hmm. um, welcomes anybody mm -hmm. from um, a deaf background who wants to worship with us. Uh, so from that perspective, we are ecumenical. Um, at the same time, um, they have a Lutheran pastor. My predecessor, Pastor John Hoopman, was Lutheran as well. Mm -hmm. um, so our teaching is very much in accordance with uh, the Lutheran confessions. Um, and also the main support for the congregation, particularly financially, um, comes from the Lutheran Church. Sure. So the Deaf Ministries, funded by the um, the LCA's South Australia Northern Territory District. Mm. So are there any other opportunities in our part of Australia for Deaf people to um, have a Christian congregation? Yeah, there's a few others mm -hmm. um, that I know of within Adelaide and, and interstate. Um, I know that the Catholic Church has got a, a congregation here in Adelaide. Mm -hmm. um, there are a number of churches, such as the Churches of Christ and um, at least one of the Pentecostal churches in Adelaide that offer services for the deaf, but um, they do that through an interpreter. So it's a regular hearing service and um, they use an interpreter so that the deaf can understand what's going on. Mm. Um, our congregation is, is a bit unique in that space because uh, everything that we do is in Auslan, in Australian Sign Language. Mm, mm. So for the deaf from the ground up sort of thing. That's right. And so what, what then is the particular history of this congregation, the ADCC? Um, so I understand that the ADCC comes out of the um, Royal South Australian Deaf Society, which was grounded back in the, the 19th century, late 19th century. And um, the support organisation for the deaf at that time was mainly um, run by Christians. Mm -hmm. And so it was very natural for um, that organisation to both have worship opportunities for deaf Christians and also provide things like education, accommodation, um, support for the deaf in uh, terms of finding work and so on. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the origin of the church. Um, and for a long time the church worshipped on South Terrace where the Deaf Society had its own building yeah. um, and it also included um, a Deaf chapel there as well. Um, through the years I think attendance has fluctuated. Uh, I believe that in the mid 
1900s, the church lapsed for a while. Mm -hmm. um, and really the Lutheran involvement came about in the 1970s uh, when pastors like Pastor Len Sharkey um, supported the congregation by holding services for them, uh, often with interpreters. Okay. Um, so the ADCC comes out of that era um, when the church was called um, St. James Church of the Deaf. Mm. And um, Pastor Hoopman, um, who I just mentioned, um, took over that role in the 1990s. Mm -hmm. uh, he was previously a member of the congregation and then um, became ordained. And so he's very much sort of defined the congregation for the last quarter of a century. Yeah, so he, so he was a, he, he's deaf himself, he was a That's member right. of the deaf church. How, how did he end up being their pastor? Can, can you tell us a little bit about, to the extent that you know? Um, I, I don't uh, have a full history of, mm. of his involvement in my head, but um, a few years ago there was a Lutheran article on Pastor John and on the congregation, um, and from that um, I believe that, yeah, he was a member of the, the congregation, um, he was encouraged by a number of people, both in Australia and in the US, um, to consider um, studying for the ministry. Um, his father was also a pastor, so he sort of had it in the family, as it were. Mm. Um, and so then he and his family went to the US for a number of years to um, study for the ministry, um, and then came back and did some further study in our own seminary at North Adelaide. Um, and then he was ordained and, and took on the role as pastor until full time. He, until he retired. That's right, until he retired three years ago, yeah. um, which is when I came on the scene. Yeah, yeah. And so he was, um, he would have been the congregation's first deaf pastor, I imagine. I believe so, at least yeah. in, in recent history. Yeah. Mm, mm. Um, and so when did you personally first become involved in, um, in this ministry? You know, was it something that you um, went into your seminary training having in your mind, or how did that whole journey begin? Um, yeah, it's an interesting journey, interesting question. Um, the ministry is, is my second career, as it were. I was a mechanical engineer beforehand. Yep. Um, so I went into seminary at probably the age of 35. And it was probably in my second year, end of my second year, that I read the article in the Lutheran that I just mentioned. And um, it had um, interviews with Pastor John and his wife Sandra. Um, it had information about the, the ministry, and it also had a, a little ad um, in one of the bottom corners, which basically said, Pastor John's looking to retire, uh, but can't find anybody to take over. Um, are you interested? And um, yeah, I just felt God tapping me on the shoulder saying, maybe give that a go. And I, I spoke to my wife, Gertrude, and um, she was also interested. So we approached Pastor John and, and Bishop David from the South Australian district and said, we've got no idea what's involved. Uh, we, we're not deaf. We have no deaf relatives at all. We don't know the language. You didn't know any Auslan at that no, stage? No, I didn't know anything. Um, but we're willing to give it a go if you don't have any other options. Hmm. Um, and they didn't. So they said, well, we'll give you a go. Wow. Um, what can we lose? Sort of thing. And so then for the, the last three years of my seminary training, um, both Gertrude and I also went to TAFE and learnt Auslan, mm. um, and TAFE's the main provider of, of um, Auslan teaching services in South Australia, so we did a, a Certificate 2 and Certificate 3, and the end of the Certificate 3 course corresponded with um, my completion of studies at seminary, mm -hmm. and so at that point I was then called jointly by um, Pilgrim Lutheran here and, and by the ADCC as well. 
Wow. Um, and so for those, for international viewers or listeners, um, or for those who just don't know what Auslan is, tell us what, what actually are we talking about? Um, so Auslan is um, an abbreviation for Australian Sign Language. And um, it's important to note, I often get the question, is there one sign language around the world? Well, there isn't, just as there mm. are many different spoken languages, there's many different sign languages. This surprised me the first time I learned this. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, for your American viewers, um, ASL, American Sign Language, is totally different from Auslan. Mm. Um, so it's a language which um, has developed naturally within the, the deaf community. It's not mm. an artificial language. Um, and they have evidence of the use of um, British Sign Language, which is the forebear of Auslan, already in the 1600s. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it was probably around well before then as well. It's just that that's the first time it was um, recorded in, in written form. Um, and so in the 1800s, when people started emigrating from the UK to Australia, um, naturally some deaf people came and they brought their languages across um, and that was the start of deaf people in Australia and um, they developed or they started two schools particularly for the deaf um, in Melbourne and Sydney and they both had slightly different variants of uh, BSL, British Di Sign Language. Dialects like dialects, everywhere else. That's yeah. right. Um, and so still today there are some dialects within Australia and hmm. roughly divided along those lines. So the, the southern area follows more the Melbourne school and um, New South Wales and Queensland more the, the Sydney school. So is Auslan still more closely connected then to British Sign Language than American or is it? Yeah, it's, it's a lot closer. Yeah. Um, I looked it up at one stage and British Sign Language, New Zealand Sign Language and, and Auslan all belong to the same family yeah. of sign languages and I think there's about 80% commonality between them all. So 80% of the vocab and, and grammar is mm -hmm. the same and there are then regional variations. Do you know any American Sign Language? Um, when we were at TAFE we learnt a little bit of the alphabet. So could you show us, for example, this is putting you on the spot, but <laughs> could you show us, for example, A, B, C, D in American versus Auslan? No, I couldn't anymore. Okay. I've forgotten. Um, but the big difference is that um, the Australian finger spelling, it's called, where yep. you represent um, words on your hands, uses two hands. Um, so, so, show us in, example, show us in Auslan then. Yep, so A, B, C, D, E, F, G, etc. Now, I've got a feeling, if my memory is correct, is, is that the American is A, B, C, D. I reckon something you'd like be right. That. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's a one handed alphabet. Mm. And so, I imagine learning Auslan would have been the major part of your preparation for ministry to the deaf. Um, what, what else was involved in getting ready? So your second year is seminary, mm -hmm. you hear this call, we have a conversation, we better start learning the language like any missionary does. Um, what else did you have to do to, to prepare for that possibility? So um, in our seminary, we not only, as you'd know, have lessons in class, um, learning the theory, but we also have field work, practical experience in congregations. Mm -hmm. um, so it was obvious to me and, and to Bishop David and um, Pastor John, that we needed to have some personal interaction and experience as well uh, with the deaf congregation. Um, so going into my third year, um, I arranged my field work um, experience so that I was able to do it both 
in my fieldwork congregation, a regular hearing Lutheran congregation, and also spend time in the deaf congregation. Mm. Um, and for the first two years, that really just involved sitting and watching yeah. and absorbing and, of yeah. course, getting to know the people and um, trying to communicate with them. And, um, and then in my final year, which was um, corresponded with vicarage, I did my vicarage again in a regular congregation, but once a month I'd also attend the deaf congregation as well to keep up that contact, keep yeah. up the, the language practice. Um, and then towards the end of that year, I, I started to get involved in the services as well. Mm. Uh, first, just signing the liturgy, um, which is relatively easy because you can just spend time learning it and then... Yes, same, week um, by week. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, and then, yeah, right at the end, going into preaching as well. Mm. Mm. And so you've mentioned this uh, relationship between the two congregations here, the hearing congregation and um, the deaf community. Um, how's that arrangement going for, for you all? And especially how, how have the hearing folk received um, the deaf folk being around and those sort of interactions? Mm. Um, so to answer that, it might be worthwhile just going back to the time before I was called to the congregations. Um, previous to my involvement, both congregations had a full-time pastor. Yep. And um, Pilgrim Lutheran here at McGill decided um, before this current arrangement that they couldn't really justify having a full-time pastor. Um, so they made an offer to the district to partner with another ministry. And that was probably around the time that they were thinking about what to do with the deaf ministry um, after Pastor John retired and after my ordination. Um, and so the district proposed a partnership between the two congregations. Um, that had not only benefits in terms of sharing a pastor, but also um, during the time that I was um, learning about Auslan and so on, the deaf club in South Terrace, which I mentioned earlier, closed. Mm -hmm. And so the deaf congregation had to find another place to worship. Um, the new deaf club, which is now up in Modbury, didn't have room for a dedicated chapel like the previous building had. Um, so the deaf were worshipping mainly at um, St John's Unley, mm -hmm. another Lutheran congregation here in Adelaide that um, didn't use their church at the time when the deaf wanted to have worship. Um, so really when this partnership was proposed to the con two congregations, um, aside from a very few exceptions, both congregations really embraced mm. the idea of, of sharing a pastor. Um, and the deaf also asked me, well, what would you like to do in terms of worship space? A and I said to them, well, it would really help if you could move to McGill. That mm. way we wouldn't need to travel around for you know, worship at different times. Um, and to make that happen, both congregations agreed to move their service times. Wow. So Pilgrim moved earlier, the deaf moved later mm -hmm. um, to accommodate two services at nine for the hearing and 11 for the deaf. Which anyone, I think is, anyone in parish life and congregation yeah, life knows that's no small thing. That's yeah. right. I think it's almost unheard of <laughs> that you get not only one but two congregations to move. Yeah. Uh, but they did, did so willingly and, mm -hmm. and amicably, and it's been working really well. Mm, um, so great. we have the, the hearing service at nine. We then have tea and coffee afterwards, and the deaf are invited to that, and mm -hmm. some of the deaf members come, come to that and then um, have their service at 11, and then we have another um, coffee and chat time for the deaf alone after that. Um, so right from the beginning there's been that interaction and um, Pilgrim McGill really just opened their hearts and their building to the deaf and said 
this is now your home for mm. as long as you want it mm. um, you're welcome and I think the deaf have felt that and they've um, responded to it positively they feel at home now yeah um, and probably just one more thing worth mentioning is that um, last year some of the members of the pilgrim congregation even attended an introductory Auslan course wow. uh, run by my tutor and um, it was I think a five-week course two hours a week um, and it was again just a, a sign of their willingness yeah. to engage so not only expecting the deaf to come here and um, adjust to their own new surroundings and fit into the life of pilgrim but mm. you know, hearing people are, are also making a step towards um, interacting and, and communicating yeah. with the deaf um, and on top of that, we've also had at least twice a year a combined service yep. uh, where we have both um, English and Auslan in the service and an interpreter yep. um, who facilitates the communication. Um, and again, that's been received really positively. Yeah, wonderful. Just wonderful to hear these positive examples mm. of partnerships in the gospel. Um, what are some of the particular challenges for deaf Christians? I'd say probably the biggest challenge for deaf Christians is the, the language barrier. Mm. Um, it's very difficult for deaf people who are fluent in Auslan and have English as their second or third language to really be able to participate in, in a hearing service, um, not just from the perspective of not being able to hear what's going on, but also a lot of what we do in a hearing service is written. Mm. and. Um, it's because English isn't necessarily their first language. Um, for some deaf people it is, but for many it isn't. Um, even just reading along can be a challenge. Right. Um, so that language barrier is very real, uh, and hence why it's so important to have a, a, um, a congregation mm. which is focused purely on everything in, in Auslan. Um, related to that is also, um, particularly for me as pastor, a lack of resources in Auslan. Um, again, there's, everything is available in, in English for us hearing people, um, but in Auslan um, there's not even a full translation of the Bible. Right. Um, the Bible Society is developing video resources for the Bible um, and they're starting to put that online which is really good, um, but it's still not available um, for the deaf to get a full Bible in Auslan mm. um, and that then extends to other resources so for example um, in the Lutheran Church we use the small catechism a lot for catechizing our, our children and so on mm -hmm. again it's not available in Auslan mm. um, and so it either needs to be um, interpreted on the fly so somebody um, who can read well and understand will then sign it yep. um, or even better and that's something I'd like to do in the future is put it on on a video yes it's a really interesting point to think about the, um, you know, the the sense in which Auslan is really the the native tongue in a sense, and and even English as a second or third language. And I, I think sometimes uh, us, for us hearing folk, we tend to sort of imagine or conceptualise deafness as somehow okay, I I I know English, I know what it is to communicate and read, and then maybe my hearing fades at some point in my life and this is would be something like the experience of being deaf whereas it's what i'm hearing you say is it's very different when this is from for most people from the start of their life mm. you actually and there's a as as with all languages there's a certain culture then that goes along with 
um, with all languages. And I imagine, and in my little interactions, I've seen some of this um, with the deaf community, that there's a, there's a different culture then. And, and, and so it makes sense to have your own community. Mm, and, um, that's right. But I imagine challenging for you to then to come into as a hearing person, just to become enculturated and all of that. Yeah, well, yeah. certainly um, that's an example of one of the things that I had to learn, that right. deaf people aren't simply hearing people who can't hear, Yes. Um, but they have their own unique language and, and culture. Um, and so I suppose like any missionary in a missionary situation, um, I've taken the approach of not rushing in, and mm -hmm. trying not to <laughs> put my foot in it, but yeah. actually to stay back a bit and observe and, and see what are the actual differences. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of delightful aspects of this in my experience, like you only, uh, I've had the privilege of knowing Pastor John Hoopman a little bit as well along the time and um, he is quite a character and, and, and I think a part of this is, is a part of that culture, how expressive deaf people can be in their signing and, um, and a vivaciousness to their sort of personalities even though they, um, they can't, can't hear in conversation and, um, and, and I, I imagine that having time to actually see the, the, the joys within that would be um, quite a privilege, but would be take time and hard work. Mm, that's right. And I think also it's important to note that any ministry situation is not simply one way. It's not as if yeah. I'm simply giving to the community, um, but I receive a lot back. And a lot of the things that you described there are very much bring me joy in right. my ministry. And uh, I'm finding as well that it influences me and my ministry to hearing people as well. Yeah. Um, so being a bit more expressive, um, using my hands more and so on, um, is a gift that you know, the, yeah, the deaf right. have given me. Um, and I think also um, probably one of the biggest differences you'll notice about our worship services is that there's a lot more interactivity mm -hmm. in a deaf service. Uh, people will be involved in aspects of the service, such mm -hmm. as signing the readings or the songs, um, which is sort of akin to our having people read, read the readings, but um, we also take breaks within the service to actually discuss what's going on. So mm -hmm. we almost have a mini Bible study after the Bible reading. Mm -hmm. um, during the sermon, if I ask a rhetorical question, I'll actually get mm -hmm. answers back, mm -hmm. whereas in a regular Lutheran congregation, we don't necessarily do that. Mm -hmm. um, and so that there's aspects of that as well, which I really love and enjoy, just yeah. the way the, in which the community interacts and, and enriches everybody's life through that interaction. And because you mentioned about the worship service, just um, for those of, who have never seen a, a deaf um, church community in worship, um, it really is quite something to behold because mm. they actually, in my memory, often, you know, as we said, this sign language is their, their language and so they'll even praise in signs sometimes, mm. won't they? They're very expressive mm, and the ha right. you know, hands and everything, bodies are involved in, in a way that's different from, say, um, you know, charismatic Christians' um, use of their body. Um, it's perhaps related in some ways, but it's um, um, a, lot of, a lot of gesture mm. involved right through the service, isn't there? Yeah, and it, it's very natural because it stems yeah. out of their language. Yeah. Um, so um, if I can just share some aspects of worship which are different for me as a pastor. Yes. Um, when, when I'm um, praying or when I'm um, explaining a Bible reading um, and involve God, um, God tends to live up there. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're addressing God um, in a very physical way. 
people um, naturally look up. Yeah, yeah. people yeah. people naturally look up and, right. and and speak to him uh, right. as if he were there. Well, he is there, but yeah, yeah. as if we could see him yeah. there. Um, and likewise, you know, his his responses come down to us. So his his blessing comes down to hmm. us, um, and just, just little things like that. Um, in rich worship, it, it becomes very much a, a full body yeah. worship. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, often when I read accounts of, say, Jesus healing a deaf person, I'm just mm. something back in my mind. You know, I, I don't have any deaf people in my congregation. I think I wonder how a, a deaf person would hear this, um, perhaps not the best choice of words, but receive this, mm-hmm. um, this story. And I guess that a more sort of theological way of asking it is, you know, how do they understand their deafness Theologically, mm. I'm, I'm curious about this, and I think, you know, maybe we talked about this sometime in the in the past. That's why it's sitting in my mind, um, you know. And and again, when I hear of things about the new creation, and and I, I think of friends with different disabilities or children with different things, I think, you know, it's just I'm not sure there's any clear answers to these. But to what extent is this aspect of our humanity part of the fallen world, and to mm. what extent is it? Uh, part of just who we who we are. You can't imagine this person without this particular aspect of their personality. Yep. So I guess my, my question though is is how do the deaf people themselves, to what you know, understand this? You know, have you come across any of these conversations? Yeah, definitely. Um, I suppose I should should qualify my answer with two things. First of all, um, one, I'm not an expert on deafness, and, mm. and what I've observed of the deaf community is pretty much limited to our congregation. So what I say mightn't be yeah. Yep. Applicable across the board. Um, the second thing is that as hearing people, um, as you alluded to earlier, we associate deafness with loss. Mm-hmm. So as adults who are hearing, um, if we were to lose our hearing, we would feel that a, a big part of who we are has been lost. Mm-hmm. Um, the communication aspect, obviously, but also the enjoyment aspect, enjoyment of music and so on. Um, and so it's, it's important to to qualify any answer relating to this um, by saying that a lot of the deaf people that we have in the congregation were born deaf or became deaf as children. And, and so they don't have that aspect of loss mm-hmm. in their life. Uh, obviously the deafness, deafness makes it difficult for them to communicate with hearing people so that there's that communication barrier as well. Um, but most of the deaf people I know don't see themselves as being broken yep. or disabled. Yep. Um, that being deaf is simply who they are mm. um, and they live perfectly fulfilled lives they're mm-hmm. able to communicate with sign language and mm-hmm. they can hold down jobs and have families and all the sorts of things we expect so mm-hmm. um, it's important to to remember when we're talking about this that um, most deaf people don't actually see a problem with their deafness mm. um, but at the same time the question has come up um, in worship um, whenever we're talking about the healing that Jesus performs, like we're going to hear on, on Sunday as well from Matthew 4. Um, and so the question then becomes, well, okay, um, why did God allow me to be deaf? Mm. Um, and even more so, why doesn't God heal me of my deafness yeah. um, if I pray, pray to him for it? Um, and in our discussion, the answer came down to what we would normally say um, within any Christian um, Bible study of this topic that yes deafness just like other physical disabilities or even just the general brokenness of relationships and so mm-hmm. on um, stems from 
original sin and, and Adam and Eve's fall. And the solution to that um, that God has given us is a new creation, a new mm. heaven and a new earth, mm. uh, the resurrection of the body in yes. whatever form that will yeah. take. Um, and so yeah, deafness sort of falls into that area. Yeah. Um, why God doesn't heal us now? Mm. Um, it's the perennial question, isn't it? Yeah. Um, why does God allow us to suffer? Um, I suppose one, one positive act, aspect which has come out of our discussions about that is the realisation that um, my members as deaf people are perfectly placed to actually share the good news mm -hmm. um, with other deaf people. Mm -hmm. um, so I, as a hearing person, am not fully accepted into the deaf community. Sure. It's, it's only natural. I, sure. I'm not deaf um, and I don't take offence at that. But um, my congregation members have got friends who are deaf, family members who are deaf. Um, and so they, I suppose, are well placed to actually bring the gospel to their, um, their friends and their neighbours and their, mm. their family members um, in a language that the people understand. Mm. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's not only negative yeah. suffering and so on, but there's yeah. also positive aspects to it. Mm. Yeah, well, thank you, thank you for um, sharing those things. And it's, there, obviously, there's a lot of mystery around, as you say, what this means for all sorts of aspects of our humanity, the redemption and made, all things being made new in Christ. And um, as you were talking, one of the things I was thinking about is um, that I often go back to in these discussions too are the, the scars of Jesus, mm -hmm. you know, and so there he is in his in his resurrected glorified body but still with these scars yeah. somehow these somehow these marks are carried into um what you know no eye has beheld and and the mysteries that that lie ahead for us mm. um and how that looks like for um deaf people is just we'll find out one day yeah yeah <laughs> somehow the marks of this you know perhaps still still there and you know this but this aspect of their personality is you can't separate it in some mm. sense, but but all be made new, glorified. That's right. It certainly uh, makes me wonder sometimes. Yeah. It makes me wonder, well, maybe they'll still be deaf, but the right. rest of us will be able to communicate in sign right. language. You know? Right, right, right. <laughs> that, right. That could be very much um, the way in which God works. Right. Because there is just something truly joyful about seeing a group of deaf people in conversation that I've never seen anything quite like it, and um, just the the um, the expressiveness and the and the, um, the the dynamism of the way you know, and and there'll be this table of people, and and you just sense you know something manifestly special about about this. Um, so we've talked a little bit about your ministry and some of the uh, joys and challenges already, but. Um, I guess maybe a little bit more detail we can talk about mm -hmm. that. What, what have been the, uh, firstly, the big challenges for you in this, this time of ministry uh, to and with the deaf? And, um, and what have been the, the joys as mm -hmm. well? Um, yeah, starting with the challenges, the, the language has been by far the biggest challenge. How is your Auslan now? So how many years down the track are you? So I did three years formal training at TAFE. That yep. was part-time, roughly eight hours a week. Yep. Uh, during school terms, and then I've been in the ministry now for three years, so yeah. it's been six years. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd say I'm maybe 80% of the way to where I would like to be. Mm -hmm. um, I, I must admit that coming into it into my in my 30s, um, 
was hard work mm. Mm. and um, my progress was a lot slower than I had hoped mm -hmm. um, but by the grace of God and perseverance uh, I am where I am um, last uh, after finishing TAFE uh, the first two years of ministry I just focused on using my Auslan um, so from the very first service that I conducted it was in Auslan mm -hmm. um, and yeah I'm not sure how much <laughs> my people would have understood at that time mm -hmm. um, but I felt it was important to make the effort and, mm -hmm. and um, it's gradually improved mm -hmm. over time um, last year I, I had the privilege of um, getting a retired pastor in to help me with the um, the pilgrim congregation um, he was preaching every second week yep. which freed up a bit of time for me to work one-on-one -on -one with a, a deaf tutor and um, that really helped me to Im improve my signing particularly for sermons um, so I'd prepare my sermon and then I'd go through with him and help uh, ask him to help me correct not only the concepts and so on that mm. um, were perhaps not well communicated but also how to best sign them and so yeah I remember talking to you during this time and and you said how it really felt like you're basically writing two different sermons each week you know we may think that okay it's as simple as preparing what you want to say in a sermon saying it here and signing it here but no no it was such vastly different audiences and approaches needed and, lang and language crafting and the way in which you would explain things that um, that's, a, that's a heavy workload if you're doing it that way yeah, so the way I typically prepare for a Sunday is to um, carry out my exegesis, my study of the Bible text for the coming Sunday, and um, almost always I'd use the same Bible reading for both congregations to sort yeah. of cut down on the amount of extra work I'm doing. Um, and then um, from the exegesis, I'd prepare my sermon for the hearing congregation, and then I'd essentially put that aside and work on my deaf sermon. Um, so generally it would follow the same sorts of themes and so on, but um, like you say, um, our spoken sermons have got a lot of idioms which make sense to hearing people but don't necessarily make sense to deaf people. Um, when we're doing a, a spoken sermon there's a lot of rhetoric involved, uh, we can often use word plays to try mm. and ex explain things um, or use certain metaphors which again make a lot of sense to a hearing person but may not translate into um, the deaf context mm. um, so yeah for, for that purpose alone it's necessary to prepare two different sermons um, and then on top of that is um, limitations involved in my ability to communicate mm. concepts so it may be that um, something that I prepare for the hearing would work well for the deaf but I just simply can't explain it as well as I would like so mm -hmm. um, there's also an element of preparing the sermon to suit my limitations um, as well as the, the different contexts and the different community I'm speaking to or signing to yeah mm -hmm. so the challenges and what about the joys what would have been the joys of, of ministry to and with a deaf and um, any of them unexpected joys I'm curious about too um, so I've, I've mentioned a few of them already mm -hmm. I think uh, deaf worship is something wonderful um, being in, involved in whole body worship mm. uh, is something totally different to my previous experience of, of church um, other than perhaps as you mentioned some Pentecostal mm. churches where um, the, the sense of community is also wonderful um, people are always very willing to help other people if they don't understand so um, the whole community essentially moves at the pace of 
the community. So mm -hmm. you don't have um, necessarily people um, outstripping others um, in terms of comprehension or topics and that sort of thing. But uh, it's important that everybody comes along. So yeah, that's a that's a real joy mm -hmm. as well. Um, and I think also there's a, a certain freedom that I experience in. Um, whether it's deaf worship or Bible study or just community interaction, which um, is not necessarily identical to the, the freedom I have in in regular hearing worship, and mm -hmm. um, it's hard to to articulate, but um, it tends to be less formal, mm -hmm. um, more relaxed, and yeah, that, that's nice as well, mm. um, and. Lastly, one of the, the great joys of being with deaf people is just their sense of humour. Mm. Um, deaf jokes can be hilarious, um, and you can look them up on, on the web mm -hmm. sometimes. Uh, deaf people will put on a joke on there, and even though you don't understand the science, you still get the joke. Right. Any kind of thing, any examples off the top of your head? No, you'd have to go and look at <laughs> them. I, I, couldn't, look do, it I couldn't, couldn't do them justice. <laughs> um, and. So here you are in um, the suburbs of Adelaide, uh, um, McGill Pilgrim Lutheran Church, and um, and the Deaf Community Church now meeting here. What if people want to, uh, either they're local or in Australia, or even if they are um, overseas, um, how can they support you, support this ministry? If maybe somebody out there has felt the sort of tug on their heart that you once mm -hmm. felt in seeing that little lad, um, how can people help? I think. Probably the, the first way in which people can help is simply to pray. Um, pray for deaf people in general, pray for the deaf ministry, uh, pray for me as, as the pastor. Um, because we are a quite a small community, we've got about 20 members, mm -hmm. and it, it can be difficult um, with such a small group to really do everything that we want to do. Uh, sure. I've mentioned the lack of resources. Uh, it would be great to be able to get additional support to develop those resources um, so pray for yeah people to participate in the ministry yep. as well yep. um, and certainly nowadays with the technology that we have uh, YouTube and so on it's easier to communicate over distances so um, it doesn't necessarily exclude people from helping if they are located elsewhere mm. um, and one of the things that I'd like to do in, in preparing my resources is make them available to a wider audience, so not just focusing on us here in Adelaide, but yep. uh, for deaf people around Australia as well. So, for example, creating your own videos mm, of Bos Bosland, right. that sort of stuff, yep. right? Yeah. Um, so I'd say that that's the main main thing: yep. prayer and specifically prayer for uh, resources, um, but also, perhaps even more importantly, prayer for deaf people to hear the gospel mm -hmm. or to see the gospel yeah. uh, in sign, because. I've seen statistics where you know, we might have 10% regular churchgoers among hearing people in Australia. Um, that's down to about 3% for deaf people. So okay. um, there is a, a real need there for uh, more deaf people to hear about Jesus and his love mm. for them. And um, whether they come to our church or not is, is neither here nor there. It's yeah. more about them um, hearing about Jesus and, and developing a relationship with him. Mm. Mm. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, this is another question without notice, but is there any chance you'd give us a blessing in Auslan? Sure. So, um, that would 
simply be the sign for God. God bless you or bless you out there. Excellent. Michael, thank you very much. Really appreciate your time today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. And we are back. Bonus lightning round with Pastor Michael Prenzler. How are you feeling? Good. <laughs> uh, so, Michael, if you were an animal, what would you be and why? I think I'd say a dog. Hmm. The thing I like about dogs is they just... At the one hand, so relaxed, but also so full of life. Mm-hmm. So dogs can equally just sleep all day, and then when they have the opportunity to play, then they just yeah. go crazy. And I think that's probably a good model for how we should live life right. as well. That, um, Do you have a dog at the moment? No, sadly not, but uh, <laughs> we'd love to have one. Um, what's your favourite movie? Uh, there's a few that come to mind. Um, Jurassic Park hmm. is one of them. Yeah, just a, a good dinosaur movie yeah it captured my imagination when it came out yeah <laughs> yeah also a good good soundtrack i like movies with good right, soundtracks right. and they're up to multiple jurassic parks now mm, i noticed they're right. still going yeah but yeah the original is definitely the best um and favorite um band or musician um i'm the sort of person who loves music from a whole range of genres and eras so going from medieval to modern um but probably most of those that i mentioned people wouldn't know um at the moment, my best or my favourite Christian band is Sons of Korah, mm. uh, a Melbourne group that set the Psalms to music. Um, I first encountered them, I can't remember how, maybe eight, ten years ago, mm. uh, and they've just been uh, really instrumental in giving me an appreciation for the Psalms. All right. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for giving them a plug. If you haven't come across Sons of Korah before, they're really worth checking out. Mm. Uh, what's your favourite place in the world and why? I'd have to say there's two favourite places. Uh, the first one is the Alps in Switzerland. Uh, I actually worked for six months in Switzerland mm. and had the opportunity to have a holiday in, in the Alps uh, during summer and it's just just gorgeous. Yeah. You know, blue sky, vibrant green mm. um, and cool, quiet, have water running everywhere, mm. a bit of snow still snow there or peaks, yeah. melting. So yeah. that, that's uh, definitely one of the places I'd love to be able to afford a holiday house in. Um, and the other place would have to be Venice. It's mm-hmm. just a totally different city from anything I've, I've visited. Mm. Um, my wife keeps on reminding me I should take her there. So. <laughs> All the best with that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a most embarrassing moment? I embarrass myself all the time in the Regular deaf, the deaf ministry. <laughs> um, I'm always making mistakes in my signing or, yeah, yeah. or doing something like that. But probably... The most embarrassing moment for me, I don't know if anybody else noticed, it was when I was studying to be a mechanical engineer and we had a subject um, shared with medical engineers and we had to watch a video on a hip replacement and that was just the most revolting thing I've ever seen. It was like, I don't know, a a mix between a carpenter and a butcher (laughs) but operating on a human being Mm -hmm. and I lasted a few minutes and I just had to leave. (laughs) Thankfully I didn't faint or or throw up or anything like that but yeah, it wasn't nice. Um, Are there any books that you would recommend we read that we probably haven't read? Um, Hard to know if people haven't read them but there's probably a couple of books which come to mind which I think everybody should read. 
Um, the first is Dr. John Kleinig's Grace Upon Grace. Mm -hmm. I think it's just uh, an excellent book in describing Christian spirituality and, and how we can just live our daily lives. It's so practical and down to earth, but scriptural. Mm. Um, so if you haven't read it, please read, uh, please do. Um, and the other one is probably C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. Mm -hmm. um, we live in a world which is very secular and, and uh, there's a lot of focus on, on science. And I think um, C.S. Lewis has a lot to say about how we can engage with that world. Mm. Um, obviously, we're called to live in the world and not be of it. But at the same time, we're also called to share the hope that we have with other people. And I think Lewis gives a few good pointers on how we can engage with people who um, perhaps haven't heard the gospel or who are negative towards the gospel because of certain preconceptions about science or religion. Um, and so, yes, a book like C.S. Lewis helps, I think, to bridge the gap a little bit. Mm, thank you for that. Last one. Um, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? I think the best piece of advice... I was given was at SEM before I became a pastor and it was simply to be yourself. Um, we live in a world again through YouTube and so on where we see people who are just spectacular at what they do mm. and we look at them and we just think oh, I could never be like them mm. and I think the good news is we don't have to be. Yeah. Uh, whether you're a pastor or a lay person um, you've been given a lot of gifts by God and so the important thing is not to become like other people or eclipse other people, but simply to recognize, okay, what gifts do I have? And to use them. And I think God then uses those gifts um, for his glory and for the benefit of other people. Um, and so as a pastor, um, coming from an engineering background, I never felt I was the sort of person who could stand up in front of groups and speak uh -huh. to them. Um, but I realized that the way in which I come across is me yeah. and it resonates with some people. It may not resonate with other people, yeah. um, but God can use me as I am. Um, and if I were to try and be someone who I'm not, I'd come across as phony. Yeah. Um, so it's much better just to it's good advice. Be, be myself and mm. let God use that. Mm. It's good advice and we're happy that um, you are yourself and that God's used you in this ministry. Happy again that you're on here today. And um, of course, Kairos is on YouTube just to make it a little bit less spectacular and lower those standards. Um, God bless you. Thanks again, Michael. Thanks, Josh. Much appreciated.